0: Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. He said, Dad, what, what happens if I go all my life, in the last five, maybe 10 years, I decide to actually live for Jesus? Because everyone says, you know, if, if I believe in Jesus and I die, then I go to heaven and I have eternal life. But what happens if, you know, I have life and then the last couple of years I decide to give my life to Jesus, would I then, if I passed away a couple years after, would I, would I go to heaven? And you know, it's an interesting question and I think one that comes from a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old, but, but yet another that resonates deep within our hearts. And as Thomas asks this question to Jesus, I prepared this passage of scripture because John 14 and the preceding verses, especially John 10, 10, to which I'll talk about often, John 10, 10 says, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the fullest, or life more abundant. And so you have to ask yourself, what is this abundance that Jesus is calling me to? What is it internally that I want to find in him? And what does he mean when he say life to the fullest? My nephew asked this question and, You know, I find it interesting because I I already have a response in my soul. There's also another time in these last couple of months that I had this conversation with a young gentleman and he was telling me how he's trying to find purpose and he's trying to find meaning and he's trying to figure out his future and he said, you know, I, I finally got my career and now I can actually make money, I can get the car that I want, and I can actually start, you know, not depending on my my parents, and I can actually work towards my future, and man, if I'll be honest, I have just found so much purpose, to which I looked at him and said, that's all great, but what, what happens when the career fails you? Do you still have purpose? What happens when all hell breaks loose over our lives. And what happens, because Jesus said this, this in the verse first, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry, in other passages of scripture, he says you will have trouble in life. It will get difficult in life. And you know, I think about that question that my nephew asked and it's, it's interesting because Thomas in the passage of scripture, he's only kinda talked about maybe a handful of times. But wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be a bummer if like, you were a disciple of Jesus and the only time that you were talked about in the history of mankind through the scriptures and through the lens of the gospels is that you were the doubter, that you always doubted, that you were the guy when Jesus was saying something and it was amazing and it was miraculous, you wanted to kind of know why or you didn't fully really understand or you really wanted to kind of know more. But I find that Thomas is actually a perfect expression of humanity that he is actually us, that he is actually the person that desires to wanna know because Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you and in this place, there will be many rooms. If I didn't come, there wouldn't be no purpose to give you and to show you something more. And Jesus and Thomas is like, okay, that's great. And he's like, well, and, and I'm going somewhere and where I go, you know where I'm going. And Thomas is like, Jesus, I have no idea what you're talking about. And the reason I've titled this conversation, It's Bigger Than This, is because Jesus always spoke in hyperboles or metaphors or like different, you know, it's as this or it looks like that, but Jesus is actually speaking to the depths of our heart and he's giving in a pretty big statement. It's not only just specific, but it's bigger. He's talking about heaven, actually, in this passage of scripture. He's talking about a place that is eternal, a place that that woos us and calls us to home. But there's also something that he's speaking, and he does this often, and it's always bigger. You know, when my brother was having that conversation, I asked him, I said, well, what did you tell Isaac? And he said, well, I told him it's bigger than this. It's so much bigger, Isaac. You can go your whole life. Go for it. Do whatever you want. And what happens is you get to the end of your life and you have a plan. Oh, in a couple years, I'll, I'll follow Jesus and I'll go to church and you know, I'll, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. But what happens, you will find yourself looking back in your life, regretting a lot of things, finding yourself in ditches that you didn't know how to get at. You will find yourself in brokenness that you never knew how to get out of. And trouble will come your way. But will you know how to find peace in the trouble? Isaac, it's so much bigger than this. And I wonder how many people in this room have that question in your heart, even now. I wonder how many of us that follow Jesus or decide to be an apprentice of Jesus have this wrestling within our soul to which Jesus would respond. That's, that's a very simple response I can give you, but I need you to know it's, it's bigger than that. Yeah, everything that you're going through, if we just learned about Joseph and how he was in a pit and, and then how he's in a prison and how he came to the palace, when we look back at that, we realize what God was doing was much bigger than than the circumstance in his life. It was so much bigger than that. You know, I find it interesting that Jesus, what he was talking about was was going to the cross and he was talking about eternity. And there was among them someone that didn't really understand and that was us. Thomas had to be sure. He had to understand so he expressed his doubts just like we all do. And you know, Something that he says, Jesus goes on three main points that I wanna to talk to you guys today about. And it's, it's first, really important to know that this is really powerful to a Jew, okay? A first century Jew, if you're not Jewish. I know, Grandma Liz, you got some Jew in your blood. I don't know if there's any other people in the room that has Jew in their blood, but this, this is especially important To a first century Jew. Why? Because they would know as a little boy or a little girl, especially the young men, they had to know the Bible really well in the Old Testament. They had to memorize it, they had to study it. In fact, they knew the first five books of the Bible memorized by the time they were 13 years old. So they knew what Jesus was talking about when he said, I am the way. The Jesus talked much on the path. He he talked about the way, he talked about going forward, and and this is what it says in the scripture. God said to Moses, all throughout the scripture, all throughout the Old Testament, it says this. God said to Moses, you shall not turn to the right or to the left, you must follow exactly the path or the way that the Lord your God has commanded you. The next passage of scripture says, Moses said to the people, I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly, turning aside from the way. That I have commanded you. Isaiah had said, Your ear shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. It was the psalmist that said, Teach me your way, O God. Teach me your way. You see, Jesus does not tell us about the way, he actually is the way. And that's why he was saying, Thomas, you don't get it. It's so much bigger than this. You've missed it. I know it's been amazing that I've been healing people. I know it's been amazing that people have been set free. I know a lot of people are following me. Thousands of people are following me. I know Lazarus was, was, was raised from the dead, but I need you to know I didn't come just to do those things. If I came just to do something that was here on earth and nothing was eternal, then why I came, there was no reason to come because I'm preparing a place in my father's house. So Thomas, it's bigger than this. It's bigger than this. You know, if I were to tell you, hey, after church, meet me at Cana Brew. And if I were to say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. You're going you're gonna to come out the parking lot. You're going to make a left on Roswell, okay? You can make a left or make a right, make a right on Schaefer or make a left right here on Roswell. So when you go down Roswell, you're going to make a left on Grand. And then when you, you go to Grand, there's going to be a couple signals that you're going to pass, maybe two or three. And then you're going to come up to a street called Pipeline. On Pipeline, make a right. You're going to drive a couple more streets. There's going to be like Sam's Club on the right and Best Buy and then some dentist places on the left. And then you're going to come up to another signal called Eucalyptus make a left on eucalyptus drive a couple more signals and then you're going to pass Ramona Canterbury going to be on the right by Papacino's, there's a Home Depot right there you can make a right and then a left into the parking structure where McDonald's is or or you can go the other way and 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 if 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 you never took notes of that you would be incredibly lost how on earth am I supposed to get there but if I were to say hey I'll go with you let me come let me come with you let me take you to Canterbury I'll buy you some coffee and I were to say, hey, no, 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 make a left right here. I know this way; it's a lot easier than going the back way. There's a lot more cars, so actually, let's not go this way. Let's go down Schaefer, and then we'll go all the way down Schaefer, make a right. But I'll be in the car with you. And oftentimes, we want Jesus to be with us. We want to know the destination. It, except actually we just don't want him to be with us, right? We, we want him to be with us, but we don't, and we want what he wants for us, but we don't, and we say we wanna live for him, we say we know your way, oh God, but we just want his destination, which is eternity, but we don't want to actually go with him and allow him to be the way in our life. Jesus says it's bigger than this, Thomas. I actually embody the way. So when you're searching, when you're seeking, just know as long as I am with you, as long as you abide in me, as long as you allow me to walk with you through the darkest valleys, through the suffering, through the pain, as long as you allow me to teach you and instruct you with wise counsel, with the community, with people that love you, as long as you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to the depth of your soul, abide in me and I in you. And, and, and you. Don't, it doesn't matter where you're going, I will be with you because I actually am the way. And so... I think about that one first point that Jesus is the way. So really that solves a lot of other questions for me. If you're someone that, uh, I love personalities, if you're someone that likes the details, this might be hard for you. Or if you're someone that likes like resume and and, and schedule and you need to know exactly where you're gonna go, well, Jesus, at what time when I turn 28 or 29 years old, do you want me to do this or that? And, And I don't really know about this job. What should I do with this job, Jesus? I don't know if I really like it. I don't feel like it's a part of my calling. So what should I do in this moment? And yes, he will speak to you. And yes, he will guide you. But at the end of the day, you have to have confidence that Jesus actually said what he said was true, that he is the way. So wherever you go, as long as you're with him, he will lead you and guide you. So I know it's kind of frustrating, but it's a both and. It's a both and. Because what happens is you could say, I have the way with me, but you could lay in bed all day and not do anything. But then the Holy Spirit will speak to you, stop being slothful. It says that in Proverbs. So so if we know the Bible, we understand him, and we're going to go a little bit deeper. The next he says, I am the truth. And you know, the truth is kind of an interesting one to me. The psalmist said this, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. For your steadfast love is before my eyes. That's the way. He said, and I walk in faithfulness to you, in truth with you. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. You see, many people have told us that the truth Many people have told us about the truth, but no one has ever embodied it. I'll I'll explain what I mean. There there is one all-important thing about moral truth, okay? Let me just explain to you something about moral truth. When I say I want character, that might be different from what you're trying to say. Like when you say you want character and I say I want character, what kind of character are you talking about? I don't base my character off of anything that I want or any of my emotions. That's really dangerous. If I were to base my character off my own mortal being, my own emotions, I would fail every time. Because if you get me on a bad day, it's not going to be good. If you get me on a day where I'm at a really low, it's not going to be good. So I must embody a truth that is not my own truth. Bump my truth. What is that? your truth will fail you over and over and over. So when Jesus says, I am, I embody the way and I embody the truth, he's actually saying that I am the actual solution to truth. So look to me if you want character. Enough looking at culture on what character truly is. We probably shouldn't look at what politicians say about character or what celebrities say about character, or what people on TikTok say about character, or what people on the news say about character. I don't really wanna know, even the the, the healthiest person, I don't really wanna know everything about your character. I wanna know where you get that character from. Whose character are you trying to embody? Because I'll fail every time. I'll mess up every time. This is the definition of character, by the way. The mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. So a person's character does not really affect the teaching of geometry or astronomy. So so watch this. Imagine I was a a professor and you were to come to my class and I were to teach you about the cosmic nature of the space and quantum physics. I don't really have to be someone that embodies quantum physics to teach it, do I? (laughs) It doesn't matter. But what if I'm a person that teaches on truth? Shouldn't I embody that truth? That's where the problem comes. And that's why the reason people had so many issues with Jesus is because he made this audacious statement. He said, I am truth. I actually embody truth. Stop looking to teachers or rabbi or to the Sadducees. Or the, the, stop, I am the truth. But if someone proposes to teach moral truth, that person's character makes all the difference in the world. So watch this, imagine an adulterer who teaches the necessity of purity. That'd be great, huh? Imagine a grasping person who teaches the value of generosity or a domineering, controlling person who teaches the beauty of humility, a hot-tempered, angry, frustrated person who teaches the beauty of peace or an embittered, just angry, bothered, bitter-towards-life type of person who teaches the beauty of love that truth, that teaching is bound to be ineffective. But when you look at Jesus, he was actually perfect. Did you know that? He walked this earth as a human being. And the reason he did that was to show a perfect display of what true humanity and true perfection looks like. So he made this really interesting statement to Thomas. He said, you are searching for God You must understand you've already seen God. This statement, these statements of Jesus is what actually put him on the cross. No man says that, especially not in the Jewish culture, especially not with people that understand that Yahweh is God and no one comes to God but to God. And Jesus says, if you want to find God, if you wanna go to God, you have to go through me. Moral truth cannot be conveyed solely in words. It must be conveyed in example. And that is precisely where the greatest human teacher must fall down. We all must fall down. We all must humble ourselves. We all must say we don't have all the responses. We don't have all the answers. That's why I'm really big. If you stick around us enough, you'll understand that character is so important to us because I want to be the type of person as I grow in my relationship with Jesus. Th- in other words, in my theological term, my sanctification to God. The more that I grow, James just talked about in our, our word of encouragement in our team huddle, the ability to grow, to stop saying, I need to be fed, I need to be fed, I need to be fed, and learning how to actually feed yourself. Learning how to actually grow as you, as you walk with the way. Because the more you're with the way, the more he'll show you the way. Do you know that? Wow. He'll speak to you about people and things and places. He'll he'll show you the truth once you know his truth. But how, in fact, will we know the truth if we don't read the scriptures? How will we know the truth if we don't actually listen to the voice of God in our life? Because I'll be honest, I have found the more God speaks to me, get out of bed, stop being slothful. Get out of bed, stop being slothful. And the, the less I listen to him, the smaller that voice gets. Have you ever noticed that? He'll speak to you. You've heard the voice of God. You've heard God speaking to you. He'll, he'll speak to you at a, at a very deep, powerful way, and you just might want, it's not all about, you know, hearing a deep voice coming from heaven. It'll be a still, small voice, and it'll keep going and keep going. Why? The more you get in community, the more you get around people of faith, people will start calling you to more. The more you come and listen to God's word, the more you come and sit under the house of God, the temple of God, the beauty of God, the wonder of God, the more you sit in his freedom, the more you will get in an environment where God begins to speak to you. And that's what I love about community. Did you know that he'll speak to you through other people? Did you know that he'll show you things? But, but watch this, I, I just don't wanna hear from anybody. I wanna hear from someone that actually is following the way. And that's why I love that that conversation that Jesus said when he said, Peter, just follow me. Just follow me, man. What does that mean, Jesus? It's bigger than this. It's so much bigger. You follow me, I'll show you where your purpose is. As long as I am beside you, as long as I go before you, it will be okay. But when I follow Jesus, I actually have to follow the way that he's called me to, which is, obedience to the scripture, which is obedience to the the detriment, the the corrosion of my soul. Because I have found, as Paul would say in Romans 7, he says, I I have this interesting dialect with my soul where I really want to do good. Don't you want to do good? I mean, once you get out of church, you just want to do good. (laughs) You're worshiping. You're like, man, this is awesome. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. And then someone drives right in front of you. Or someone just ticks you off or you get that text message that you didn't want to get or somebody really bothers you or your children start having a tantrum or a temper tantrum and, and everything just goes bad and it's just like, man, I just I wanna find this peace, but I, I'm not sure where to find it. But the thing is, obedience, when you find yourself in a in a posture of character, it will supersede your emotion. Does that make sense? So if my emotion is telling me one thing, where does that truth come from? And my Bible tells me that that when I have this this hard conversation with my soul where I want to do good, but there's this sin that's deep within my soul and it's this corrosion in humanity and it it beckons me to be hot-tempered and it beckons me to say things I'm not supposed to say. And that's not the character that I want with Jesus, but the more that I allow the Spirit of God to move in me by knowing his truth, the more that I will say, I don't need my emotions, I just need the truth of God. The more that I have the truth of God, the more that I can walk in his way. So many could say, I have taught you the truth, <laughs> but only Jesus could say, I am the truth. My, my dad taught me this at a really young age when I was going to church. He would say, Sammy, we don't look to man because man will mess up a lot. You don't look to the pastor as the end all be all. You don't look to the pastor as the guy who has all the answers. They might know the scriptures. They might be led by their convictions and led by character, but at the end of the day, man will fail and man can fall. So we don't look to them as truth, we look to Jesus. That's why I, I'm so grateful to say, I, I'm, not, I'm not the leader of this church, Jesus is. You don't have to look to me, just look to Jesus. And that's, that's the type of foundation that we're gonna move forward And That's one of our actual values is that God is our source, that Jesus is the foundation to who we are. The walls might change, but the pillars will remain the same. It's the truth of the scripture. It's the embodiment of who he is. And that's where we will be led by, not by, oh, this is another one, I'm kind of going, not, not by, well, you know what, I, my emotions doesn't like this part of the scripture. I don't really like that. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but the Bible makes me uncomfortable. Every time I read it, it reminds me that my truth isn't God's truth. Every time I understand it and see the person of Jesus, when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I'm just trying to catch up with Jesus. So if the scripture says something that you don't like, I'm sorry to say, but you can't just rip that page of the scripture out. We have to understand that Jesus, when he says he's the truth, that everything that the scripture points to is the embodiment of the word. That's why I love John in the scriptures the most, the book of John, because it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was the logos of God, meaning the very encampment, the very embodiment of the word became flesh right before us, right in front of us. So if I'm looking for truth and I'm looking for the word, all I have to do is look to Jesus. And the more I follow Jesus, the more I can understand that he is the truth. The tremendous thing about Jesus is not simply that the statement of moral perfection finds its peak in him. It's that the fact that moral perfection finds its realization in him. So the next one is the life. Jesus said, Thomas, it's bigger than this. I know you're not gonna get it at first and, and, and after the cross you'll see and you'll understand that on the third day, your hearts will be troubled. The brokenness will come, the pit will come, the dungeon will come, darkness will seem to seem like it's invaded our lives and has won. But I need you to know on the third day I will rise again. And that's what Easter Sunday's about. That's why we celebrate. That's why we go out of our way to allow people to know we're not ju- doing this just to have fun and have lights and have a stage and have a mic. That's not why we're here. We are here to remind people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one, no one, no person, no other ideology, no other spectrum can amount to the truth of who he is. So if I'm looking for peace, I find it in Jesus. If I'm looking for truth, I find it in Jesus. If I'm looking for hope, I find it in Jesus. If I'm in a low, broke, desperate place, I find it in Jesus, to which Jesus would say, I have given you the church, I have given you community, I have given you a body of people in the the Christ, and all you have to do is look around you because you are actually, Following the way, the more you allow me to be close to you. The life is one of my favorite parts. Yeah, Grandma Liz. <laughs> I love you. The life, here's the life. Jesus said, I am the life. I have this, uh, I don't know if it's gonna be up here, but it's this definition of what life is, and it's really depressing, by the way. If you were to just to search in in Google, if you are at a low place and you're like, what is the existence of life? Why am I here on earth? A question that I get often This is what the definition says if you were to search in Google. Life is defined as any system capable of performing functions such as eating, metabolizing, exercising, breathing, moving, growing, reproducing, and responding to any external stimuli. That's That's what life is. Really? Another one says, life is the aspect of existence that processes, acts, reacts, evaluates, and evolves through growth. And that might be the definition of life because that could be the world's definition or a dictionary or, 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 or Oxford's definition, right? Or just searching it up on Google. That might be how the world will characterize life. But I want to know how Jesus characterizes life. What's Jesus' definition of life? to which he would respond, it's not simple just to give you, it's bigger than this. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. It is so much bigger than this. See, I don't want to just exist, do you? <laughs> I, I want more than that. I, I wanna know what is life worth living? Why? Why do I live? Why do I function? The, the writer of the Proverbs said, the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. You show me the path of life, said the psalmist. And the last analysis, what we are always seeking for is life. Our search is not for knowledge for its own sake, but for what will make life worth living. So what do we find in following Jesus then? Because it's bigger than this, what does that that mean? I, uh, I was able to do a celebration of life, and I call it that because I knew the individual loved Jesus and knew Jesus and followed Jesus. But this particular individual was a father to a youth that I was a youth pastor in. And he had a really hard, difficult time with his son. His son wasn't easy. His son was difficult. His son was hard. His son would get in trouble all the time. In youth service, his son would take the girlfriend and go real far off, and I'd be like, where is the lost sheep? Where did— Where did he go? And then the dad would call me and say, well, how was my son at youth? And then I had to tell him the truth because I wasn't going to lie to him because I'm a youth pastor. And so we had all these issues, all these issues. What's going on, man? What's going on? And I got a call from from the youth, and he, he said, you know, my dad passed away. Can you do the funeral? And I said, it's not a funeral. It's a celebration of life. Oh, Of course I'll be there. And I'll be honest, as I was there, he was only in his 40s. He had his son really young. His son was 19 years old. And I looked to him and I said, you know your dad loved you, right? He did everything he could. I know it was hard. I know it was difficult. But I hope you're mature enough to see the big picture because it's bigger than this. That he loved you. He cared about you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And, and that's, that's what God has for you too. And then we were sitting around and, and I heard the stories and it was difficult for me because he was only in his 40s. And his son was there. And, and I noticed that he had broken ties with all of his family members sever ties with his sister, issues with his father. His mother just tried to love him through it. His son had issues with him. And we were sitting there and we were eating and, and, I, and I asked the mother a question because she was saying, you know, it's so crazy, this last year, it wasn't COVID that hit him, it, he just had diabetes and it got difficult for him. And, and, and you know what's interesting though is he had a really good relationship with his dad last year. He, he built the relationship back, and I was like, man, that's amazing. And then the sister said, I had so much issues with him growing up, I just had to let go of all of that because the doctor said we didn't know how much longer he had to live. And so I let that go, and then... And then and then I looked to, 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 to the son, and, and I was talking to the son, and I was having a conversation with the son, and he said, I know my dad had his stuff, and I know it was hard, but I knew he loved me. And so this last year, I did everything that I could. I did everything I could to show him that I cared about him, and that I loved him. And as I stood back, and I thought about the cosmic nature of God, and that how when you follow the way, the truth, and the life, he says in John ten ten I have come to give you life, and not just life, I've come to give you life, and life to the full. So my nephew Isaac would say, Dad, what happened? What happens if I live my whole life in the last couple of years or the last year to which I don't know? Because I don't know the circumstances. I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I don't have the the response to the last day I'm going to live. What happens if it all gets difficult in the last year of life? And that's what happened to him. And as I sat there, I looked to the mother and I said, I know this this might be hard to, to, to chew through. But if this wouldn't have happened to your son, do you think that these relationships would have been brought back together? And she said, no, I don't think so. I said, maybe in the cosmic beauty of God, maybe just Maisie, maybe, because he's so much bigger. He's so much better. He already knew because he had prepared a place for him where he would be. Maybe he did it just to build that relationship because maybe there would be no other way. And I don't know if that's the response. That's just my intuition thinking, processing, wondering. And so I would respond to you if you were to sit with me at coffee and say, man, I just want, you know oh, I want, I want the house and I want a family and I want children and all of that's amazing and all of that's beautiful and all of that's wonderful, but what happens when if that fails or if that falls or if that messes up? Where do you put your identity? Is it in other people or other career or other pursuits or is it in the person in place of Jesus? Because I just learned that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And I just learned that if I saw Jesus, then I actually saw God. And so as we finish I just want to encourage you in this. The reason I say it's bigger than this is because I I don't have a blanket statement to what life is in your life. I don't. I don't have a response. I don't even know what it looks like for you. But the more I've found, and man, I'm, I'm just a young punk, but I know I've found that the longer that I follow Jesus, not my parents' faith, my faith, the more that I abide in him, the more that I walk in him, the more that I submit to his truth, the more that I experience that abundant life that he's called me to. That life when I, when I look at Lenya and, and I'm just like, man, how is this possible? Have you ever experienced that as a parent? We're just like, what is going on? This, this is life. Is this what, and then, and then the first thing that comes to mind is love. Not anger, not frustration. I don't care what happens in life. All you have to do is just look at a new baby born and see that life is the very vessel to which God uses and speaks throughout humanity. So if you're looking for life, just look to Jesus. If you're wrestling and you're frustrated and you're not sure what's next, follow the way if you're crippled by the decisions that you're making and you find yourself in an unhealthy, habitual cycle, what is the truth? Is your truth finding way with Jesus's truth? Would you stand with me as we finish in this last song? Jesus, we come before you right now in this moment, God, to remind each and every one of us that you, God, are the way, the truth, and the life, that you embody the very meaning of what it is to find life and life to the fullest. And I pray that every person in this room, God, that has breath within their lungs would realize that you have prepared a place in heaven but, God, I don't want to just live expecting to find heaven every day. I, I want to be heaven here on earth. I want to embody heaven. I want to walk in heaven. I want to walk in your goodness. I want to lo- walk in your mercy. So, Jesus, do whatever you have to do in my soul. God, poke and prick and prong and speak to me through friends and speak to me through the word of God and speak to me to prophetic words and speak to me through prayer. And, God, if you have to me, wake me up in the middle of the light, God, to show me that you, God, prepare a way for me. And so, Father, I pray for every person in this room that is struggling, wrestling with the reality, that doubt that Thomas had, that same doubt that he had, we all have. But, God, at the end of the day, we know that you are the solution. At the end of the day, God, we know that you've called us to the cross to die to ourself and to live for the future, to die to our past, to say we must not hold on to the past. We must walk in freedom towards the future. So, Jesus, show us the way, show us the truth, and show us the life. In your name we pray. Amen.